second season of the El Bastardo Magnifi show, and uh, I want to say, uh, yeah, I didn't put any fucking content out for, um, what, like two months, because I, I, I was busy, uh, what, what's that thing that you have to do, like, when you have kids, oh, being a father, that's what it was, and I can't do this filthy-ass show, because the studio is uh, <laughs> in close proximity to her young ears, and I just simply do not feel comfortable running a hood rat ass show with my kid within earshot. So I feel like that's a pretty good reason to take a hiatus. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, I don't want to do the whole uh, imprint the young child with the horrendous nature of her actual father. We like to keep up this whole uh, super good girl dad routine. Uh, it's not an act because she deserves it, but at the same time, like, yeah, I'm, I was itching to do some hood rat shit for a little while, but now... Uh, now we're back, and it's season two of the El Bastardo Magnifico Show, and I am your host, the El Bastardo Magnifico himself, Mad Mad. So, uh, there's a couple of things uh, I have been doing lately, just kind of prepping up for the next season of the show, and uh, there is a few pieces of content that I will approach, and there is some stuff that I won't. So, like, a lot of the whole uh, political spectrums that are going on, leaning one way or another, like, I'll give my advice on, like, the COVID virus, because there was a time period where we thought I might have it. I'm not going to do the whole Trump bash thing, even though he deserves it. Um, I will always say Black Lives Matter, but... I'm going to try to stay away from, like, uh, a lot of the same stuff you're seeing in the news and the politics lately just because I'm just trying to have some fun. I'm not trying to discount or have an opinion weighed in on any of those subjects, you know, um, other than support the right party um, and support, you know, what you believe in uh, as long as it's not being a Nazi because Nazis deserve to get punched in the face. I'm just putting that out there. So, that being said, I have this jalapeno beer, uh, jalapeno pale ale from, uh, what's this? The uh, Brassong Brewing Company. I've been putting it off for a minute because I can smell the fucking jalapeno coming out of it, but I'm going to try that now. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> um, uh, like, I, I do typically like some hot stuff, but um, this isn't so... Like, oh, there's a burn coming now, but it's not like a bad burn. But as far as beers go, it tastes pretty smooth. And the flavor of the jalapeno is not overwhelming, but I do feel a tingle on my tongue. What a weird fucking combination. Yeah, like, it's not, like, spicy. It's just kind of, like, leaving its resonance. Hold on a second. Yeah, it's just, like, leaving its resonance on... I could drink that all day. That is... You know, here's the thing that I worry about, though, is that... Uh, I found out once accidentally in a story I absolutely cannot put on the internet um, that capsaicin is sexually transmissible. So, like, will this make my piss spicy? Like, <laughs> will, will will my semen taste like jalapenos? And well, that's, that's kind of weird. So <laughs> I'm not going to try, <laughs> obviously. But, like, 
if my dick burns later, I'll tell you on the next show. <laughs> it's not from syphilis, it's from this fucking beer. So, uh, first things first, I'm going to talk about something that I have a passion about. Something that I truly believe in. And I feel like uh, everyone who falls into this category will absolutely become offended at what I have to say. Just because you own a $1,200 camera does not make you a fucking photographer, okay? Yeah, lots of people can use fucking Photoshop and edit photos. Yeah, lots of people can take a fucking camera shot. Fuck, you can do half of what you can do from a fucking iPhone, right? And edit it right then and there. Like, I am, I am aware of what Snapchat is. I, too, can use filters. And the problem is, is that everybody and their fucking mother is a fucking photographer. I know and can name off at least 10 people that I know who claim to be a photographer. If I go onto my Facebook right now, I guarantee I could find at least 10 people with some sort of photography link in their bio saying that, oh, I'm a photographer. No, you're fucking not, okay? No, you're fucking not. And whoever is paying these people to come out and do this, go buy your own fucking camera. You could do it yourself. You don't even have to pay $1,700 for a photographer. I'm just putting that out there. Like, I, And this is no offense to people that I know that are actually photographers, because I do want to say this. If that is, like, your job, like, that's all you do, and you make a good living being a photographer, congratulations. You are a professional photo taker. You are a photographer. The editing the actual angles, light, and those kind of things. Like, I understand, there is a science to it. But the problem is, is that the field is saturated with so many people who have nothing better to do than to use their wildly expensive camera and come and bother me at my job, be like, my camera isn't working correctly. Be like, did you fuck it up? Because <laughs> that would be the first thing I would lean to. Did you ever read your owner's manual? Do you even know how that shit's supposed to function? Like, what is mirrorless technology? Like, come on. <laughs> there is so many things out there. Just because you fucking can tell the difference between a Nikon and a Canon, nobody thinks you're a fucking photographer. And stop sharing your fucking photography website to my page. Like, join and support my page. This is my... Like, I have at least... Uh, at least 12 of these things sitting in my fucking queue, like, like, oh, like my photography page, it's my business, support your friends and local businesses. I'm like, no, you are not. And no, I'm not a fucking, like, billboard. Now, if I have ever complimented a photo you have taken, that means I respect you as a photographer. If I have never mentioned to you one time that you own a camera and take pictures, you're a fucking hack. And that's what I have to say about that. Next up in the Hall of Pain is... I'm having a hard time, like, describing this because it's a specific subset of people. They're not technically, like, DJs, per se. They, and I, th I think most of them do not, like, claim to be DJs. And I had this, this discussion with a friend who actually participates in this genre of music um, about what, like, DJ literally means disc jockey. Like, and I know decent DJs, right? Like, that is, in of, of itself, a specific thing. I also know super trash shitty DJs who think they're phenomenal and are really not. Um, uh, like, I have a friend who is very good, and I have a loose acquaintance who is absolutely atrocious. So, what I'm more, more so talking about is 
anybody that makes like the techno trance kind of music with the keyboard and the fucking the buttons and the uh, uh, the twisty knobs and shit like that, like I'm not interested. So I haven't done a lot of research into it, but I have enough people that I know who are good at it to be able to make some decisions here and have some opinions. And what those are are to my friends who make the music. I am fucking super happy that you have found something that you like to do. That is awesome. And you're, like, really into it. You believe in, like, the music and, like, you're trying to... You have, like, processes and certain rules and ideas that come with education in, like, being able to use music theory, that kind of thing, right? But for every one of you, there is a thousand motherfuckers with the same equipment making the same bebop boop bullshit, Right? And that is one huge problem I have, is that your your genre is so overset. Like, when I watched yesterday a video of, like, this 50-year-old lady whose son comes in and asks her to, like, mix these musics together, right? He's like, make a mashup. She does it in, like, 45 seconds, and it's passable for the genre. Like, you listen to it, like, okay, like, a shitty, a shitty musician could have put that out. You know, it wasn't, like, terrible either. It wasn't good, but it wasn't terrible. Um, that's the problem is that without any, like, actual, like, like instruments being played, it's essentially just telling a computer program to make this noise. I did the same shit on, like, the Coca-Cola Music Factory when I was, like, 13, or some shit like that, you know? And it's, it's cool, and there's a lot more nuance to it than I believe, like, I'm, I'm exuding here, but at the same time, like, you can make a passable record with just the fucking button keyboard and to me that's where some of your shit gets fucked up like ah so if i could explain it a little better i am super happy about my friends who have gotten onto the scene and like are getting played places and you know getting a a chance to do uh like their music there the problem is is that and this is the subset uh, aside from the other people who just fucking blow or oversaturating the market um these people genuinely tend to listen to their mu- own music, like, all the time. Like, their music is the only music that they listen to. And it's kind of, like, weird, I would put in a... It's like if you were in a band and the only music you ever listened to was your band. Like, it's, it's that, like, pretentious. Like, it's that level of, like, really, dude? And the problem is, is most people are like, that's cool. Like, if I was, like, at a club and this was playing... That would be awesome, but it's like 9.45 and I'm at work and I'm not trying to listen to some fucking lo-fi tracks for two and a half hours. Like, I just want to go to fucking sleep at that point. Like, there is a time and a place and an ambiance that that music needs to be displayed in, and it's not forcing me to listen to, like, four and a half hours of, of, and I'm going to be honest, bebop bullshit. It's just not my taste, right? Like, I don't sit there and make everybody listen to 3-6 Mafia and you know, uh, uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony and shit like that. Like, I don't sit there and make them listen to Pantera and Metallica. Like, I, I have my own shit. Like, that's what I listen to. You know, like, that's what you listen to. Like, that's cool, man. Like, like I support your, your opinion. But stop forcing it down my throat. I, I didn't get paid to deep throat your fucking music track. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Now, um, I'm going to turn everything more towards a positive light. Okay? Something I saw recently i've seen it before and i have mentioned it on the show i think uh but i got uh more in depth into like the what this is it's a sport 
that they only play three games a year, right? And it is the most badass, just like, holy shit, this is fucking anarchy kind of shit. Um, it's called uh, Calcio Sportico, and it is only held in uh, Fiorentina in Italy, right? And uh, what's awesome about it is that you have to be from, like, born in this city in order to participate, right? And so the cool thing about it is that it's one part combat MMA, one part, like, rugby, one part soccer, and all parts badass. Like, I, I was absolutely amazed at how brutal and just how fun to watch this actually was. So let me give you some background on this shit. Um, so it's, a, it's, it's exclusive to uh, Fiorentina, and it's uh, basically four teams, and they're assigned a color. And they've been playing the sport since around the 1500s, if I, if I did my research correctly. And you have to be from Fiorentina in order to play this game. Uh, they don't let like people from the outside come in. Like like you you have to be from the city. It's uh, specific to the city, and it's not that well known because they just refuse to let anybody else play, and for good reason because that's like their city's thing. That's part of their identity. It's it's really cool. Like the whole mystique behind it. However, there are four primary churches in this city, and each church is the zone like whatever zone you live around is where you're assigned and it's white red blue and green right and so they only play three games a year because it's so fucking brutal that you can only play <laughs> three games a year and so like uh red and white or like uh blue and green will get paired together however they do it i'm not quite sure how that works like i couldn't find any rhyme or reasons as to who plays who but I think the uh, the winner from the year before and the the runner-up play different teams to start. So, like, if uh, red and white were the teams that were in the final and red won, red would play, like, the fourth-ranked team and and uh, white would play the third-ranked team, right? Like, I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Uh, secondly, there are rules with this, right? Um, only 27 players per team, right? Uh but like 50 guys try out per team. So they only select the, the 27 best guys that they've got. And um, you play the first game, and then I believe nine or 10 days later, you play the championship game. And so the rules are that there's basically no fucking rules except for a few things. One, if you get taken down to the ground, uh, you have to stay there until a point is scored, right? Which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and... If you miss a shot, I believe, there's a half a point scored for your point, uh, opponent. Now, the field is, like, roughly the size of, like, a hockey rink, I want to say. Maybe wider. But the goals run, uh, like, the full length of the opposite sides. And it's like a trough. Like, it's, it's like three feet off the ground or four feet off the ground. But the goal is only, like, two feet wide. And it's like a scoop. Like, the ball has to go into that scoop. And games are only one like, like six and a half to six or like four to five. Like like they don't score a lot. It's fifty minutes long. Um, so like you have fifteen dudes in the middle whose only job is to clear a path. And you can't see my air quotes because clearing a path means they literally beat the fuck out of each other until <laughs> until the uh, until you can score. 
Um, it is by far and away one of the, the most badass sports I've ever seen. And what's cool is the athletes don't, uh, and I will call them athletes because it's, it's a very hardcore sport. The athletes aren't like, uh, like they don't train uh, exclusively to do this. They train year-round to do this, um, but they're like like uh, uh, carpenters, auto mechanics, like fucking lawyers and shit. Like, like they have actual jobs and then do this as their primary sport. And I, I, can't, I can't tell you how fucking badass and brutal it is. And because it's so brutal, they can, they can only do the two games a year. And I watched a couple of documentaries about it uh, just to kind of get an idea of, of what like it was like to, to participate in something like this. Because for those of you that don't know, I've, I've done combat sports pretty much my whole life. And immediately I was like, oh man, that game is fucking awesome now. I'm like too old to play that shit now, even though there's guys who are like 40 odd years old that play it um, and out of shape. But like, it would be a cool sport, man, just in general. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me, but like I got to see representatives from the red team the white team and the blue team. The only team I didn't get, I find like any information on was the green team, but apparently they're not like in the mix a lot. So, uh, baby got back. <laughs> but, uh, uh, the, the idea I have is that, um, what if Calcio Sportico was like worldwide? Like every country got a chance to have a team and you just play like a playoff system. Like, every like month you play one game right like and just kind of play it off and it's like a four year time span in order to like become the champion because the winner of Calcio Storico like the team that wins it doesn't win anything except like bragging rights for the next year and that to me is so cool and so pure like it's just fucking awesome what a fucking cool sport man referring to cool sports and shit like that um so, for those of you that don't know, I've done martial arts pretty much my whole life. And uh, I have a, a kind of an opinion about, like, today's state of MMA. Like, with the UFC, like, I really don't like that Dana White took away the ability for them to be able to find sponsors and make, like, additional monies and stuff like that. I think that you would get a lot more consistency out of um, your divisions if they could make more like like, fighters wouldn't have to quit to pay their bills kind of thing. And I heard or watched a video with Paige Van Zant where she was talking about how in one like advertising like commercial or thing she promoted, she made more money than she had ever made with fighting. And I recently saw her fight like Rose uh, Namine what mm. Nunez, yeah, like uh, yeah, she fought Nunez. I'm trying to think if that's who I saw her fight. I'm not quite sure, but, like, she got her ass handed to her for, like, 20 fucking minutes, man, like, and she's really pretty, and, like, at a point you're like, well, how much is the fighting career worth when you are advertisable? Like, you're a fighter, you won some fights, you're noticeable, people know your name, your name brand, like, when do you step away, right? And it's happened to pretty much every woman that's been the champion so far, right? Ronda Rousey, like, she was the shit until, and, and in everything, until she got fucking high-kicked in the mouth, and then everything was downhill from there. Um, now, fortunately, it didn't ruin her career because she was able to jump into wrestling and stuff like that, but, like, if she'd have stepped away two fights earlier and just retired, 
she would still have the same amount of money. Like, you didn't have to take those fights. And I think that's one of those things that really gets overlooked in the MMA community. And I have always believed that you have only X amount of fights in your career. Like, you can only throw down, like, with that, like, so many times before you start to get punchy, uh, the jaw loosens up, you start to get knocked out more. There was a time period where Randy Couture, Captain America, you just couldn't knock this dude out until you could start knocking him out. Chuck Liddell could take any shot until you could just start knocking him out. You know, Rampage Jackson could take any shot until you could just start knocking him out. And so, there's like, you have, like, a fight eclipse. Like, just so much time left in the sun, right? And so she stepped away. She's one of the lucky ones. Gina Carano is another person I can, rec like, reference that this happened to. Cyborg beat her ass, and so she retired, and, and she was in some stuff for a while, and she's actually taken off in the acting careers because she's a big woman uh, as far as, like, just physique and um, beautiful at the same time, but, like, menacing. Like, she could play, like, like heavy hitter roles like she did in um, uh, Deadpool. But that's where... Uh, I uh, that's that's kind of where I'm going with this kind of reference, is that um, I recently discovered somebody I had no idea about, and this is by far like the hottest fighter I think I've ever seen, and I'm like, God damn, and she can throw bow like bows, like she's a good ass fighter. Um, so Beck Rawlings, uh, like the baseball company, um, is somebody that I just recently learned about, and she I learned about her from the bare knuckle fighting. But apparently she's been in the UFC and a couple of other things. She's a bare-knuckle fighter and uh, by far and away one of the hottest chicks like I think I've ever seen in the sport. And in no way am I like, stop fighting because you're gorgeous and you have an opportunity to make a fuckload of money doing something else. Um, so it's kind of like, like, is it a chauvinistic opinion to say, as a woman, you have a more advertisable trait in your look and how you um, can present yourself after your career is over. Like, should you be fighting until you've had, like, 35 fights under your belt? And I don't believe that about anybody. Like, I don't think anyone should have 35 fights under their belt, you know? But that's where we get into some of the formulaic things that are going on with the sport today, is that I just don't find the interest in the sport that I used to. Now, there are some great fighters out here, like Justin Gaethje and, and, or Gaethje and fucking uh, uh, Khabib. Um, I, I really don't think Connor is as great as he once was, but I think that's because he hit that threshold. Um, Nate Diaz has finally, his, his scar tissue has built up so much that you, he just can't fight without risking the fight getting stopped. Um, uh, Nate Diaz can't stay clean. You know, uh, just just a lot of stuff going on here. Bones Jones can't stop fucking up. You know, so like, there should be a limitation as to as to what you uh, or how long you let your career last. Now that being said, I came up in a time period where MMA was specifically about one discipline versus another, and one of the big problems I have with the evolution of the sport is that everybody has the same style. They're just better at some things than other guys. Right, so you like you've got your wrestlers out there who've dominated for a long time. You've got your jujitsu guys who are traditionally not good at stand up. You've got your big brawlers who's like you know endurance may not be the greatest. Just just like like there's variety, but there's not like there is no more Brazilian top team with the best jujitsu guys in the world, and their jujitsu is so fucking terrifying that 
you can't beat them. And then they learn how to box. You know what I mean? And they became unstoppable. There's no more Hammer House, which was Fox uh, Catcher level style wrestlers. Um, there's no more Lion's Den, which revolutionized uh, uh, shoot fighting. You know, there's no more Militich uh, camps that, you know, uh, go out there and totally transform wrestling into teaching, like, raw wrestlers how to just fight, you know. Um, there's no more of those, like, excellent Supreme, like, shoot box, where it was all about, like, violent Muay Thai. You know, there there's no more, like, masters of style anymore. And I think that if we would lean towards, you know making disciplines more diverse, like, inside of their own teachings, you wouldn't get a lot of the same, like, Muay Thai guy or, like, jiu-jitsu fight. You know, I miss the Pride Fighting Championships of old where you'd have, like, a wrestler fight like a Taekwondo guy. And I know the sport's never going to go back to that, but I think that if it did, we would have, like, a lot more compelling matchups. And last but certainly not least on the agenda today... Uh, I am going to uh, rep some soccer. I know you guys fucking hate it, but I love talking about it, so here we go. Uh, eight time, 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 Bundesliga champions Bayern Munich come through with a new coach, Hansi Flick, who has completely revitalized the team. Lewandowski out here breaking records as the top-scoring non-German player in history for the Bundesliga. Uh, Thomas Muller back out on the pitch with over 20 assists. Um, a youth development team that looks phenomenal. Uh, and the surprise pickup of the year, a Canadian kid. <laughs> like, comes out of fucking nowhere. Jump Iron's like, 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 we're all like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, why is he... And turns out he breaks the top speed record for the fastest sprint ever run in a Bundesliga game. He is a left back and like a left middle. His name is Alfonso Davies. And he is a superstar in the making. I have never seen somebody who plays soccer be that fucking fast. Just naturally. Like he's on one side of the pitch and like teleports to the other side. You know, uh, Goretzka came back. And it started really uh, uh, performing well. You know, uh, uh, Tiago, when he's not injured, has been performing well. Kimmich is now in the midfield. And the pickup from Stuttgart, Benjamin Pavard, has given us some real, like, like scoring power on our defensive wings. And so, like, it's just a much more dynamic and fluid system. Uh, and, and if I can reference, it looks a lot like Barcelona used to look like with the, the fluid passing and the, just the mechanical control. And right now, we're outscoring teams. Like, just in general, we score two to three to five times a game. Like, that's crazy good. Now, I'll say this. Like, you know, some people will argue that the Bundesliga is not as good, but most of the, the good players getting picked up right now are from the Bundesliga or Ajax or something like that. And I think that we have a, a real chance this time to do something special in the Champions League when it comes back. So I'm really hoping that it comes back so that I can I can see how well Hansi Flick's team can do in an environment where, like, the pressure is on. But that being said, uh, everybody knows I'm like a casual EPL fan and I'll switch my allegiance here and there because my main team is Bayern, right? So I'm like, I don't really care who I'm rooting for in Germany, or not in Germany, but in, in, in England. 
And so I had been kind of watching Man City lately, and I really like some of the guys on their team. Um, one of my favorite players in the world is Leroy Sané, who's linked to Bayern right now. Um, but Chelsea has been picking people up like crazy. They got the one of the top 20 players in the world who plays for Ajax. They signed him. They signed Timo Werner. They signed Christian Pulsic last year. And they have a lot of heavy links to uh, Kai Havertz from Bayer Leverkusen. Um, just in general, like that team can get very exciting. I'm really kind of interested in seeing what uh, Frank Lampard does and like really looking forward to like the rivalry that Jurgen Klopp with Liverpool and uh, a revitalized Chelsea with Frank Lampard is going to end up doing. Like just like EPL soccer could get a lot more interesting. The only problem is Man City's got that ban coming from Champions League and a lot of their big talents are talking about like leaving. So that means like there's been links with uh, Sané to, to Bayern. Uh, there's been links with like Sterling and De Bruyne to, to Real Madrid, which would be horrifying uh, because they already have Ed Hazard. So like I'm like if you're not watching soccer now or giving yourself a chance to catch up on it, next season is going to be absolutely insane. And with that being said, I want to say thank you for listening. Uh, season two is back. We are back in the production studios. We are, are putting out episodes soon. I know we're recording one on Tuesday. Hopefully we have it out by Wednesday. But thank you for staying along with the page. And uh, we back up in this bitch. Good night. <laughs>